Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast segment of the show that's not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for this 350th show is Dr. Wallace Heddle, professor of history at the University of Northern Iowa, and we're going to be talking about the American radical tradition. Our history buffs are Rick Sweet and Terry Toppler, and Terry, why don't you start us off? Well, Wallace, when we talk about the American radical tradition, is there a unique flavor for a radical tradition in America versus other countries? Versus other countries, you know, I got interested in radicalism in part through a junior year program that I spent in England. And there I saw a country that had, rather than a Democratic Party, what they called the Labor Party. Uh, and the Labor Party was almost entirely funded by unions. Um, they had, uh, instead of our free market of health that we had in the 1980s, they had a National Health Center um, with, with um, education. I was at a university where um, all of my friends not only received free tuition, but what they called a maintenance grant of five or $6,000 a year, enough to get them through the year. Um, and so that was kind of a model for me, and I felt like studying English history, that American history must be very boring. Um, it couldn't be like England. Um, and it wasn't until I come, came back and started looking at American history that I realized, no, um, America has um, as much going on as um, European countries that we might more closely identify with radicalism. Okay. Um, so can you give me a sense of we talked about in the, in the the on the radio program about Bernie Sanders and how he he may not ever become politically he may not ever achieve his political goals but he has served a a very useful radical purpose are there other individuals in american history that you could look at and and sort of point to in the same way that that while maybe they didn't accomplish this that or the other, um, that their ideas certainly served as catalysts to change that occurred later on. Uh, yeah, you could look at uh, the trade unionists of the 1930s, um, and some of the changes that they looked for were achieved in 1935 with the Widener Act, which recognized unions and gave an orderly process for certifying a union with the country. Um, now, they, what they didn't have in mind was the kind of middle-class prosperity that our country had in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Um, and I'm the product of a couple of uh, teachers who were members of unions, and I'm grateful to those people from the 1930s, um, in part because my middle-class upbringing um, was very much underpinned by union wages, um, union wages that are now um, uh, threatened. Um, and of course, if you're looking for another person whose ideas were adopted, um, you could look to Eugene Debs. Um, Debs was working 
at a time where um, government not only was not protecting labor, they were downright hostile. Um, and, um, and he runs for president uh, in the 19-teens and wins um, a million dollars from a million dollars. Gets a million votes uh, while sitting in a prison cell. Um, and um, he becomes a crucial forerunner uh, to the organized labor movement. Wallace, uh, just uh, you know, to sort of piggyback on Jay's um, question, uh, is there a common, uh, I'm going to use the word counterweight, is there a, c- a common counterweight in, in uh, uh, American society that over time uh, has uh, defeated or attempted to uh, uh, turn back these radical ideas from being implemented either in public policy or economic policy? Sure. Um, you can go to something um, uh, that emerges in England in the 1740s, um, which is um, republicanism with a small R. This is long before the Republican Party is formed um, in the 1850s. And these 1740s Republicans were really reacting to the crown, um, that they saw waste and luxury and corruption. And the, the smaller Republicans, they um, were people, rich guys um, in the country, who, you know, out um, away from London, who didn't trust the government and saw the government as corrupt and wasting their money. And those themes, I mean, you can draw a pretty straight line from those themes which I read about in America, all the way up to the present day. Um, that tradition um, of looking at government as the enemy, um, I think, is an animating force towards reaction against radicalism. Uh, Wallace, is there an age limit, <laughs> I guess, for radicalism? I think of today, where we have so many actually quite a few young people around the world who I would say fit that definition of radical, whether it be for education, for girls' education, or for environmentalism. Yeah, I mean, I think it's wonderful to see young people who are more interested in change than um, the young people of the 1980s um, who I hung out with in college. Um, One uh, hardening thing um, that I've seen emerge in the last couple of weeks is the the meme online, uh, OK Boomer, where um, one person will say something conservative and dumb, and the other person will say, OK Boomer, um, as a means of dismissing um, uh, the, the, the ideas of someone who is just too old to get it. Um, I think that kind of um, generational feeling among uh, young people reminds me of the Vietnam era and uh, I think that um, it fits. I've got a kid in college who sometimes tells me, you, you're the people who wrecked the environment and now we're going to have to deal with it and he has a point. Sure. Um, so since you talked about college there is certainly the perception in the United States in particular that radicalism is 
planted, force-fed, hot-housed, and discharged from universities. That that its universities are the place where where radicalism is planted in the minds of innocent youth, and uh, then they go out to rack and ruin amongst the the, the world. Um, is that a is is there something accurate? Is there something about the intellectual environment of a college that helps develop radical ideas, or is that truly just a myth and it really doesn't work like that? I don't want to say it's just a myth, although I caution you again that I generally stop teaching around 2000, and that gets me out of a lot of trouble um, <laughs> with um, current politics. Um, I do think now something peculiar has emerged which is that there is a correlation between um, people's level of education and how they vote. Mm -hmm. um, the people who have um, higher education and college degrees tend to vote Democratic a little bit more, and that's a lot different than the 1950s. Um, I don't think it's coming from the professors, though. I think professors um, were, uh, what's the word for it, in some ways conservative. Um, we kind of like um, our lives the way they are. Um, it's fun to go to, to school and have no responsibility other than being prepared for class and writing scholarship. <laughs> and um, I think that most professors that I know are people who teach statistics or um, uh, secondary education or um, I've got a good friend who knows uh, Dr. Vajpay, uh, that uh, teaches um, about Indian nationalism and things like that. And I don't see how you could teach about India and use that to um, brainwash your kids. Um, I just don't think it works that way. And the person next to my office, um, I won't say her name, but she's Catholic and she teaches um, uh, about uh, classical civilization and early Christianity. Um, and uh, she has, she's, her ideas are reality-based, um, but she wouldn't think of herself as um, uh, brainwashing anyone. Uh, and um, she would be, if there's anything animating her intellectual life, it's Christianity, um, not the teachings of Chairman Mao. <laughs> well, well stated. Well, we would like to thank our guest for this 350th show, Dr. Wallace Heddle, professor of history at the University of Northern Iowa, who talked to us about the American radical tradition. The history buffs for today's show were Rick Sweet and Terry Toppler. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, which is 88.5 FM, and 106.1 FM, in the Quad City region at 9.30. You can also listen to the show as it is being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put K-A-L-A-H-D-2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previous recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put K-A-L-A Radio in the search box to find ROI. ROI is recorded at station K-A-L-A, St. Ambrose University.